Hey everybody, this is Jamie Nunley, lead pastor of Victory Fellowship Church. Thanks for listening to the VFC Sermon Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to download our free VFC Thomasville app, where you can access all of our messages, sermon notes, announcements, and small group lessons. This app is the easiest way to keep up with everything going on here at VFC. So please enjoy the following sermon. We hope it encourages you in your walk with Jesus and helps you to belong, believe, and become. Enjoy. All right, I'm glad. I'm glad. So as I said before, we're finishing up our Unseen series um, where we've been talking about the unseen world around us. The first week we talked about spiritual warfare, um, the fact that, you know, angels and demons exist, they're all around us, and God has given us spiritual armor to wear so that we can stand strong during the battle. Uh, Then uh, my mom shared about angels. We talked about how angels um, exist to help those who inherit salvation. That's you guys. And so that's why angels exist. Then the last week I talked about demons and the devil and how demons are the fallen angels that followed Satan uh, and that you don't want to mess with them, but the good news is, is that you do have authority over them. So this morning we're ending by talking about Battlefield Church. I want to share with you this morning, there are three specific spirits that attack the church, that attack the church. Now, let me just say this. The church, when I say the church, I mean people. <laughs> We've got it in our heads sometimes that the church is the building, right? And, and buildings are necessary. We will be building a building soon, right, to accommodate who? People. You are the church. You are the temple of God. You are the residents of the Holy Spirit. He lives in you and he moves through you. So when I say these spirits attack the church, I don't mean they're throwing rocks at the building. I mean they're coming after you. And so we need to be aware of their schemes. We need to know what scripture says about this. Now, these particular spirits that attack the church tend to especially go after leadership. And so, if, if, uh, so it's really important that we're understanding what God wants to speak to us through this. Their goal is to counterfeit something that the Lord wants to do through his church and to stop the move of God in each particular city and community. So I want to go ahead and share with you what these three spirits are, and then we're going to break them down. Um, some of them may sound familiar. Some of them may be new to you. Here are the three I want to talk about this morning. The spirit of Antichrist, the spirit of Babylon, and the spirit of Jezebel. These three spirits are specifically talked about in scripture that attack you, the church. So we need to be aware of it. So let's start with the first one, which is the spirit of Antichrist. Now, when I say the word Antichrist, most likely most of you think about the end times, right? You think about maybe a a world leader or or politician or entertainer or someone that comes on on this big stage and will deceive everyone and it's kind of like the antithesis of everything that Jesus was and he'll deceive and he'll trick and all that kind of stuff. That may be true, but that's not what the spirit of Antichrist is. I want to show you in scripture what what the spirit of Antichrist is and we're going to look at that specifically. The scriptural warning about the spirit of Antichrist is not about a single figure during the end times. 
but a singular spirit working through many people right now. So let's go to scripture. First, uh, first John chapter two, verse 18. He says, children, it's the last hour. Just so you know uh, that, that you could translate that final season. In other words, Jesus has come, he's died, he's resurrected, and now we're waiting on him. It's the final season, right? The final episode. <laughs> children, it's the last hour. Just as you heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that it's the last hour. Now, isn't that interesting? I fear that too many people in the church are worried about the Antichrist when Scripture clearly tells us that there are many Antichrists already here. Now, you need to understand what this word Antichrist means. It's actually a compound word made up of two words, anti and Christ. In Greek, it's ante Christos. Ante means against or in place of. So if, if I like load an antivirus on my computer, it's, that means against virus, right? That's how we use the word anti. But here in the Greek, anti doesn't just mean against, it means in place of. And that's really important to recognize. So ante Christos means in place of Jesus, in place of the anointing, in place of the anointed one. Let me define the spirit of Antichrist for you here real quick. It's going to be on the screen behind me. The spirit of Antichrist is behind anything or anyone that replaces Jesus and his anointing. Now, remember I told you that these spirits, they attempt to counterfeit something that God's doing, right? Well, this spirit attempts to counterfeit the presence of God. You were made for the presence of God. You were made to know him. You were made to experience him. And, and what this spirit attempts to do is to deceive the church into thinking that there's something better out there than the presence of God. First John chapter 4, a couple chapters over from what we just read, verse 3, John continues. He says, if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person's not from God. Such a person has the spirit of Antichrist which you've heard is coming into the world and is indeed already here. Now, if the spirit of Antichrist was already here 2,000 years ago when this was written, do you think it's still here now? Yeah, it is. So we need to be aware of this. We need to be aware that there is going to be a tendency to replace the presence of God. Let me give you some examples of how this works in the church. Here's some examples of the spirit of Antichrist at work. A pastor who elevates his own opinion over the word of God. That's the spirit of Antichrist at work. A church who utilizes programs and rituals and routine instead of the anointing and the presence of God. That's the spirit of Antichrist at work. Christian leadership conferences where all the leaders get together and they only speak about human wisdom on how to grow their church. That's the spirit of Antichrist. By the way, I get those emails. I don't know if you knew this or not. <laughs> But as a pastor, I get emails all the time from companies that are trying to sell me information on how to grow the church. And it's like, best practices, the top three secrets to grow the church. Pastor Jamie, you can grow your church if you just abide by our three keys. This really exists. It's the spirit of Antichrist. Scripture says Christ will grow his church. Not this dude's opinion. <laughs> and you know what I do with those emails? delete. It's the spirit of antichrist at work. 
All right? So we have to stand strong against that. So how do we defeat the spirit? How do we defeat the spirit of Antichrist? We defeat the spirit of Antichrist through intimate knowledge of God. By knowing him so well, so deeply, that we're not fooled by any substitution. First John 4, 4. And we just read 1 John 4, 3. Let me read it again, and then I'm going to read the next verse. It says this. If someone claims to be a prophet, does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person's not from God. Such a person has the spirit of Antichrist, which you heard is coming into the world, indeed is already here. Verse 4. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them. Them who? Those with the spirit of Antichrist. You have overcome them. Because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Now, y'all probably heard that verse before, right? Greater is he that is in you than he is in the world. Do you know it was talking about the spirit of Antichrist? It is. That's the, that's the context of that verse. It's a great verse. You should memorize it. You should say it, but you should understand that that is the key. The key to defeating the spirit is that God is greater in you than you're in the world. Intimate knowledge of God. It says, he who is in you. Guys, Jesus is not just a fact to be memorized. He's a person to be known. You get to know Jesus. Congratulations, you're doing it right now. You're here with other believers. You're worshiping. You're listening to the word. And you're growing in him. Colossians 1, 27 through 28 is interesting because in verse 27, it talks about Christ in you. And in verse 28, it talks about you in Christ. Which one is it? Are you in Christ or is Christ in you? Both. <laughs> Both. You were created for intimacy with him. And one of the things we talk about, our, my strategy for your Christian growth is actually on our wall over there. Growing deep, growing up, reaching out and reaching in. And growing deep is what we're talking about right now. Growing deep into relationship with God. You know, I've always heard that FBI agents who work in counterfeit money and they try to stop the printing of counterfeit money and they try to recognize what's real, what's counterfeit among dollar bills. I've always heard that they don't study counterfeit money. Have you heard this before? They don't study counterfeit money. What do they study? They study real money. And they're so well acquainted with real dollar bills that when a fake dollar bill comes across their desk, they're like, oh, I know that that's counterfeit. Not because I know every counterfeit out there, but because I know the real thing so well. What would it look like if we, as a church, adopted that same mentality? And we said, when it comes to the presence of God, we're not gonna settle for a substitute. We must have the real thing. This is how we defeat the spirit of Antichrist. You don't stand on your front porch and go yell at it. You simply embrace intimacy with the Lord, and then you'll know what's him, and you'll know what's not him. Does that make sense? Cool. All right, so let's move on. So the next spirit um, that we, I want to talk about is the spirit of Babylon, the spirit of Babylon. Now, this may sound familiar to you because Babylon was an ancient city in modern-day Iraq. Um, around the year 600 BC, for about 60 years, the Jews were exiled into Babylon. What that means is they were overtaken, they were beaten in a war, and then they were forced to leave their home and go live in this area, this region of Babylon. This is, if you remember the story of Daniel, Daniel was over in Babylon. He was part of the exiled uh, children of Israel. Uh, if you remember uh, 
Meshach, what's their names, and Abednego? I can't remember their name. So here's why I can't remember the name. Because my dad messed this up for me. And I can't even, I'm not even going to say it this morning. But he had alternative names for those guys. Ask me later, I'll tell you what it is. So because of that, I can't remember the real names of these guys. But, but so these guys also were in Babylon. They were in exile, okay? And so that's, that's, um, that's where we've heard of this. Now, although the city of Babylon's long gone, it's been replaced, this modern-day Iraq now, it serves as a symbol of the world system that we don't belong to. The, 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 the spirit of Babylon is always trying to get us to engage with it instead of being a part of our real home. Let's, let's read this, Revelation 18, 1 through 4. It says, after all this, now, by the way, let me just explain. Revelations is a series of visions. John is seeing visions, and he's writing them down. These visions are symbolic and are talking about things other than the symbols, right? And it, it'll make sense in a second. He says, after all this, I saw another angel come down from heaven with great authority, and the earth grew bright with a splendor. He gave a mighty shout, Babylon is fallen. That great city is fallen. She has become a home for demons. She's a hideout for every foul spirit, a hideout for every foul vulture and every foul and dreadful animal. For all the nations have fallen because of the wine of her passionate immorality. The kings of the world have committed adultery with her. Because of her desires for extravagant luxury, the merchants of the world have grown rich. Verse 4, then I heard another voice calling from heaven, come away from her, my people. Do not take part in her sins or you will be punished with her. Now, is this about an actual city? No. Is the city a woman? (laughs) They're calling it a her. No, it's symbolic. What's it symbolic of? It's symbolic of the world system around us. So let me define the spirit of Babylon for you. The spirit of Babylon is behind anyone or anything that tempts you to love the world. The world system around you. Guys, this world system is temporary. It's earthly, and it's not the kingdom that you're a part of. Now, we know these spirits attempt to, to counterfeit something that's of God. Well, the, the spirit of Babylon attempts to counterfeit the kingdom of God. Where you're from, where you're headed, what you're supposed to walk in, the kingdom of God. This is what uh, the spirit tries to do. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17, John talks about this. He says, do not love the world or the things in the world. Now, let me just say this. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave. But that's talking about the inhabitants of the world, the people. God so loved you. God so loved the people here, right? The people in the world. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about the world system. this, This reality around us that's not a spiritual reality. It says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Verse 16, for all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Verse 17, and the world is passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. See, the spirit of Babylon says you need pleasure, possessions, and pride. You'll find your self-worth, you'll find your meaning, you'll find the point of life, you'll find it in those three things. The spirit of Babylon says, feel more, have more, be more. And isn't that the pull that we feel from this world around us? Look, you won't be happy until you get that car. You won't be happy until you have 500 more square feet under your roof. 
You won't be happy until everyone around you thinks you're successful. Right? Isn't this the pull that we experience from the world around us? Guys, it's fake. It's not real. It's a false spirit that's coming against the church trying to convince us to step out of the kingdom of God and into the kingdom of the world. Let me give you some examples of this. A church who allows the world to affect them instead of affecting the world is under the spirit of Babylon. A Christian who, in, who excuses their regular intentional sin. Nah, it's no big deal. I know it's wrong, but whatever. It's not, it's not a big deal. That's the influence of the spirit of Babylon. A pastor who refuses to confront sin in the congregation and just ignores it. That'll go away. Spirit of Babylon. A Christian counselor who teaches worldly wisdom instead of godly wisdom. That's the spirit of Babylon at work in the church. Does that make sense? Do you, do you see this? So we have to be careful. We are warned specifically against this in Scripture. So how do we defeat the spirit of Babylon? We defeat the spirit of Babylon by rejecting the world system and entering into the kingdom of God. You've got to make a choice. You're not going to accidentally fall into the kingdom of God one day. <laughs> you have to choose to enter in. 2 Corinthians 6, 6 uh, 16 through 17, or 15 through 17, says this, what harmony is there between Christ and Baal? Baal is a, a proper name that's often used to represent Satan. What harmony is there between Christ and Baal? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? Verse 16, what agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. You're the church, you guys. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, they will be my people. Verse 17, therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. You guys ever heard it said that we are not of the world, but we're in the world, right? We're in the world, but we're not of the world. It's, it's, a, great, it's a great phrase. It's a great way of understanding the fact that we're here, we're in this natural state, but this is not our home. This is not where we came from, and it's not where we're going to. It's just a temporary stop. It's just a temporary moment before we are with the Lord. And Jesus talks about this in John chapter 17, 15 through 16. He says, I'm not asking you. So Jesus is praying for you, by the way, in this passage. And he's asking, he's talking to the Father. And he says, Jesus says to the Father, I'm not asking you to take them, you guys, Christians, out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. Verse 16, they do not belong to this world any more than I do. Guys, you don't belong to this world any more than Jesus does. You're not from this place. You didn't come from here, and you're going somewhere else. But isn't it so easy to get tripped up? Isn't it so easy to get distracted and to think about, wow, all the stuff that the world has to offer me? It's easy for churches as well to do that. Say, hey, look, we just want a large membership and a lot of money. And then we'll be a successful church. But what about the lost? What about the kingdom of God at work? What about the, the stuff that God does, like healing and deliverance, all these wonderful things? Look, church is not just a bless me club, it's a hospital. It's not a country club. It's where we all go get fixed, not where we show off how great we are. And if you're not perfect here this morning, congratulations, you're in the right place. If you are perfect, sorry, we need to go ahead and dismiss you now. I'm just kidding, I'm joking. <laughs> Seriously though, this, this is, we are not of this world. 
Jesus prayed. He said, hey, Father, they can't leave the world yet. <laughs> Look, you're, you were born behind enemy lines. I said that last week. You're born into reality where you're in a struggle and you're in a battle and you're in a fight. And it's not that everything in the world is bad, but it can't have your heart. It can't have your heart. You can't let these things that vie for your attention, you can't let them have your relationship with God. So we have to learn to enter the kingdom. We enter the kingdom by doing what God says. Whatever his word says, whatever his truth is, we do that, and then we are in the kingdom of God instead of the kingdom of the world. Amen? All right, last one. Let's talk about the spirit of Jezebel. Ooh, Jeze anyone ever been called a Jezebel before? Don't raise your hand. So Jezebel was a historical figure. She was a queen of Israel. She was married to a guy named Ahab, who was the king of Israel. Um, but she was not Jewish. She was not an Israelite. Um, in the ninth century BC, she was from a Phoenician city of Tyre um, in modern day Lebanon, if anyone knows where Lebanon is. So she wreaked havoc when she was the queen. Uh, she introduced all sorts of uh, worship of false gods. She literally killed Israel's prophets. If there was a prophet, like she would have him killed. Um, she specifically chased down Elijah, who was the big prophet you've probably heard of and you can read about in First Kings, Second Kings. Um, Jezebel was bad. She was really, really bad. She used violence and she used sexual lust to try to control God's prophets. She serves as a symbol of control. Revelation 2, 20 through 21, there is a church. There are seven churches that the Lord addresses during John's visions during Revelation. And there's one church called Thyatira, which is really hard to pronounce. I couldn't imagine the football team, go Thyatira. It'd be hard to cheer for them. He says, he says this, but I have this against you. This is God talking to the church. You tolerate the woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and she teaches and leads my bondservants astray so that they commit acts of immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. Verse 21, I gave her time to repent and she does not want to repent of her immorality. Let me define the spirit of Jezebel for you. The spirit of Jezebel is behind anyone or anything who tries to control God's people through intimidation and manipulation. Now remember, every spirit here is a counterfeit of something God's doing. It attempts to counterfeit the authority of God. Do y'all know who's in charge? God's in charge. But when the spirit of Jezebel begins to operate in a church, someone thinks they're in charge. And then uh, the gloves come off. Let me give you some examples of spirit of Jezebel. A uh, pastor's wife who tries to influence church leaders behind the scenes. Thankfully, Tiffany doesn't do that. An elder or a deacon who's offended with the pastor, and so he moves to split the church and start his own. Spirit of Jezebel. A church volunteer who gets on multiple committees so she can do things the way she thinks they should be done. Spirit of Jezebel. Now, the spirit of Jezebel does not only operate through women, even though Jezebel was a historical woman, right? That it, it operates through men and women. 
Now, let me also say this. If you came from a charismatic Pentecostal background, you've probably heard a lot about the spirit of Jezebel. This is one of the spirits that's talked about a lot. And unfortunately, it's talked about out of balance. And many people um, have been falsely accused and unfairly treated and called, said that they were operating underneath the spirit of Jezebel. In reality, they just, personality clashes. Just because someone, you don't get along with someone doesn't mean that they're Jezebel, right? And so, and for some of you, you've seen this up close and personal, unfortunately. You've seen church fights and drama and all that kind of stuff happen. Um, Sometimes it's just personality differences, but there is a spirit of control that attempts to take over. So how do we defeat the spirit of Jezebel? Well, the answer is to throw it down, not throw down, to throw it down. That'll make sense when we read these scriptures. Guys, I'm warning you, this gets intense. So 2 Kings 9, 30 through 33, let me tell you what's going on. So Jezebel is going crazy. She's killing people. She's already tried to take out Elijah. And there's a new king that's been anointed. His name is Jehu. Jehu is a bad man. I mean, he's a tough dude. I mean, he was looked like the road warrior from the 80s wrestling. He's intense, all right? He's very violent, uh, but he was who God needed at the time in order to overthrow Jezebel. So he's anointed king, and he rides out to where Jezebel is, and he's just gonna go, he's gonna go kill her. And let's look and see this, this interaction, how it happens. So... By the way, this is funny. So Jehu's coming from a long way away and there's a watchman in a tower and they're like, oh, I think this is Jehu, oh no. And we're gonna send out a messenger to see if it's Jehu. And the messengers never come back because Jehu actually says, if you go back, I'm gonna kill you. You need to stay with me. So they stay with him. This is a bad dude, okay? It's who God needed to overthrow Jezebel. When Jezebel, the queen mother, heard that Jehu had come to Jezreel, that was the city where they were, she painted her eyelids and fixed her hair and sat in a window. Isn't that interesting? Now, some people think she was trying to seduce Jehu because we know that that's what she would often do. She would, she would use lust. She would try to seduce people to manipulate them. Other people think that she was trying to intimidate him and she was trying to like, look strong and, and, and powerful in that window. Whichever one it was, the spirit of Jezebel uses intimidation and manipulation. So it, it's, it's a perfect example of what this spirit tries to do. So, verse 31, when Jehu entered the gate of the palace, she shouted at him, have you come in peace, you murderer? <laughs> you're just like, have you ever heard that you're just like, yeah, it could be spirit of Jezebel, trying to control you, trying to manipulate you. You're just like Zimri who murdered his master, which is a way of her saying, I'm your master, and you've come to murder me. Verse 32, Jehu looked up and saw her at the window and shouted, Not to her, but to anyone around her. Who is on my side? And two or three eunuchs, those are servants, looked out at him. So I I want you to just just see this, okay? So Jezebel's sitting up there, hmm, are you here to kill me? And Jehu's like, who's with me? Because it's about to go down. And then all of a sudden, two or three servants are like, uh, help, (laughs) Who's on my side? They looked at him. Throw her down, Jehu yelled. So they threw her out of the window and her blood spattered across the wall and on the horses. If that weren't enough, Jehu trampled her body under his horse's hooves. 
So he rides up to where, so he doesn't even talk to her. He just talks to those who are under her spell and says, throw her down. And they do, and then he rides up on her and tramples her with the horses. Even worse than that, it goes on, that, that afterwards they can't even bury her and that the dogs actually came and ate her. I know, it's gross, right? This is why we have children's church, by the way. Now, all right, kids, draw Jezebel and the dogs. <laughs> Gonna come back, your kids have like red on the paper. <laughs> so, more blood splatter on the horse, sweetie. So lest you think, well, Jamie, that's Old Testament. And in, in the Old Testament, there were different operating system. There, there was, the way that God dealt with people. But lest you think he tolerates Jezebel more than Jehu did back then. I want to finish reading. When we're talking about, remember the church in Thyatira? Um, and where he was saying, hey, you're letting this spirit, this spirit is still controlling your church. You're not, you're not letting it, ha- you're putting up with this Jezebel in your midst. Let's, let's go back to that and let's finish reading and see what God says about Jezebel. Just, just so you know, just as a reminder, uh, it says, verse 21, I gave her time to repent. She does not want to repent of her immorality. Verse 22, behold, I will throw her into a sickbed, throw her down. Remember, that's what Jehu said, throw her down. He said, I will throw her into a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her, I will throw into great tribulation, unless they repent of her works. There's always repentance. And I will strike her children dead. Good Lord. And all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart and will give to each of you according to your works. Y'all, God don't play with the spirit of Jezebel, with the spirit of control. And it's really important that we, as the church of Jesus Christ, as the bride of Christ, that, that we, we can't play with control. Here, here's, here's, here's the thing. I, you know, I, I am not one of those heavy-handed leaders I don't, I don't know if you've noticed that or not. I like to joke around and be fun, but I don't put up with spirit of Jezebel. There's, there's, no, there's no wiggle room. There, there's no way to live. You can't live in compromise with the spirit of control. There's just no way to, and we see this in scripture. Think about it. How would you feel? Those of you that are parents, how would you feel if someone tried to violently intimidate and sensually manipulate your kids? Would you let them get away with it? No? Well, that's how God feels about the spirit of Jezebel. Guys, these spirits, we're specifically warned in scripture that these spirits are going to attack the church. That means you. Does that mean we need to be afraid? No. But it means we need to be aware. We need to have eyes opened. We need to know what's going on. We, we don't need to have our heads in the sand. We need to fight the battles, you guys. We're called to fight this. The church doesn't only exist to receive God's blessings, but also to fight his battles. We're not here to just feel good. Although God is so good, he's so merciful, and his presence is so wonderful. But we're also called to fight. Y'all, the war's already won, but there's still battles to be fought. And my question for you is this, are you prepared for the battle over the church? 
There is a war going on. There is a war that's raging right now. And you're the subject. You're the one who's being fought over. And you have a say. And guys, I'm, I'm, I'm not content to let VFC sit on the sidelines and just have church services and say, well, that was a good service. Come on. We have a mission. We have a purpose. We're to rescue the lost, the hurting, the dying. We're to grab them out of the jaws of hell and, and, and give them a relationship with Jesus. That's why we exist. And we can't put up with and compromise with these spirits. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, against people. People are not the problem. The enemy's the problem, but against spirits and principalities and powers. Are you prepared? Do you recognize that as the bride of Christ, you have a job to do? There's something he's calling you to do. He's given you spiritual gifts. He's given you his word. He's given you a family, a spiritual family when you need help. But come on, living life, living life, just totally ignoring the spiritual reality around you is crazy. It's crazy. Scripture has warned us about the spiritual world around us. And it's time for us to stand up and to be who he's called us to be. Amen? Stand for prayer. I know that was a lot. But it was fun. I want you to close your eyes. I always like for us to respond to the word and personalize it. Just in your own thoughts, you don't have to say it out loud. Just think this towards God. Just say, Lord, how am I doing in this area? Am I prepared? Am I just sitting on the church seats and expecting the pastor or the leaders to, to do what they're supposed to do? Or, or am I recognizing that I'm in a battle too? Maybe, maybe you've fallen victim to the spirit of Antichrist and you've been okay without God's presence. You're just fine with routine. Maybe you've fallen victim to the spirit of Babylon where the world is just, it's got you in its clutches. And if you're being honest, the idea of heaven doesn't sound nearly as appealing as the idea of earth. Maybe, maybe Jezebel has got you in its clutches and, 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 and you want to control everything around you through manipulation and intimidation. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you in this moment. Father, we give you permission to speak to us. Let me lead you in a prayer where we commit to the Lord that he can speak to us, correct us, and convict us about this area of our lives. If you will, repeat this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me, and thank you for living again for me. I died to myself, and I'm raised to new life, just like you were. And I thank you, Lord, you provided everything necessary for me to win the spiritual war that's all around me. Help me to recognize and stand against the spirit of Antichrist, the spirit of Babylon, and the spirit of Jezebel. The only spirit I want a relationship with is your Holy Spirit.
So I give you permission to speak to me and correct me when it comes to this issue. I love you, Lord. Have your way in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Val, will you close us? Hey, once again, thanks for listening to the VFC podcast. If you live in the Thomasville area, we would love for you to connect with us in person. For more information about our weekly gatherings, including service times and directions, just visit us at vfcthomasville.org. 